welcome to Random Gaming Toolkits Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew. Joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How is it going? It's going good. As you can probably tell from the audio, I am on the road again. Uh, this is going to be a thing for a while, but you know, bills don't pay themselves. What can I tell you? They 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 don't they don't. Yes, you have to you have to do that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you sound about as good as you sounded last week, roughly. Um, I mean, I remember when you first called me last week and your audio was like a bit weird. So it it doesn't sound like that. It it sounds decent. So, uh, but there we go. Uh, what have you been playing in the last week or so? Mostly New World. Amazon did get their queue system fixed up so that you no longer wait three, four hours to get into the game. Uh, still a bit slow on load, on the uptick. Um, but once you get past that, it runs pretty smooth, actually. So, And there is an interesting game that um, David and I talked about yesterday on Geek Town. He was nice enough to have me on again, uh, because yesterday was a government holiday, so I didn't have to work. It's called The Procession to Cavalry. It is a very bizarre game, heavily influenced by Monty Python and the Flying Circus. In fact, if it said, made by them... I would not be at all surprised. You basically play as a character at the end of a Holy Crusade who was only in the Holy Crusade because she loved to murder. And so she's all bummed out that she doesn't get to murder until she finds out that the new leader, the person that he defeated to become the new king of the kingdom, got away, so she goes off to murder him. And you spend this whole time through this point-and-click adventure not being able to murder everything, and you get really bummed about it. In fact, the game actively punishes you if at any point you kill somebody, you have to start the game over. Oh. Okay. What's that available it's, on? It's on every platform. I know it's on Steam. It's part of Game Pass, so I was able to try it for free. Okay. I only It was never on my radar on any level. I only know about it because uh, one of the streamers that I watched, Cactus Snacks, was playing it, and I'm like... This is really fucking weird. I gotta play this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it called again, sorry? The Procession to Cavalry. Okay, okay. Interesting. No, I've not heard of it either, so... Yeah, it's super cheap. I think <laughs> it was like 10 bucks on Steam. Okay, alright. Sounds sounds good. Um, kind of remi- the, the way you were talking about that kind of reminded me of when you randomly found... Obviously, you didn't randomly find this game. You said that somebody you were watching on Twitch... Uh, was was playing it, but it reminded me a bit of uh, when you found uh, Gravekeeper and you sort of just checked Gravekeeper, it out. Gravekeeper, yeah, yeah. When, when you Same checked thing. it out on a whim, so uh, it's cool when you can do that though. Like, not every game you ha- that comes out ha- that you play has to be a n- the new biggest AAA game. That's the whole point mm-hmm. of indie games. Is but the uh, the problem with finding indie games because like with because uh, I, I, t- to sort of compare to your Graveyard Keeper thing, mine would probably be Valiant Hearts, which I found through the, it was that month's Games with Gold, which was like years ago before I was even podcasting, and. Uh, I remember watching a trailer for it, and I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. So it was sort of a similar situation, where I'd, like, not known anything about the game, and then I played it, and I was kind of instantly, or almost instantly, sort of, this is really good. Um, it, it's nice when you can have experiences like that. Uh, I mean, that's how I found um, Limbo from, uh, is it Play Dead? No, not Play Dead. Uh, I can never remember the developer's <laughs> name. It's, it's, it's something like that. 
Um, and then they went on to make um, Inside afterwards, which was kind of like a more 2.5D-ish, like, bigger version of, of, of a similar game. Um, so it's it's cool when you can find that stuff uh, and you find these little, just, just these cool little indie games, I guess, that are out there. So, or not even indie games, it doesn't have to be an indie game, just a, a bit of a hidden, underrated gem, so to speak. So, uh, anything else you've played? A <clears throat> uh, little bit of a medieval dynasty. I'm still trying to figure out the uh, population city mechanics. It just nothing I do seems to click. I don't know if I'm just doing it too slow or hmm. um, just not getting the right people or something else. Um, bounced around a couple of little things. Nothing super serious. So yeah, that kind of is about it. It's kind of the downside of being on the road is that I don't feel safe yet traveling with my switch. Um, right. The more I do it, depending on the city where I'm at, is really going to determine it because the place that I went to last week, as I mentioned on the podcast, I had two people I worked with and two parole officers say don't go outside at night. So huh. that's always a, a good indicator that you're not in a safe area. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, I've played a bunch more of uh, Psychonauts 2. I think last time I spoke, I was about, what did I say, five hours-ish into the game. I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm at least 12 hours. I say 10 to 12, roughly. I don't know if there's a counter somewhere in the game. I remember with the first game, whenever you saved uh, a new save game, it would say, like, hey, this save is, like, this amount of time or whatever, but uh, you don't manually save or at least from not not what i found anyway you don't manually save uh psychonauts 2 so i have no idea how long i've played it for i'm up to the point in the game where you're fixing agent Krella's brain and there's three different things that you have to do to to get to that point uh which has been which has been pretty good um a problem that i've had that's cropped up with the game or not even really a problem i, I see what they're trying to do with it in kind of an expansive way I find sometimes once I've finished like a plot point on the game and I need to go to a different character to do the next thing and you got the whole thing where you throw the uh, the little mini door, I can't remember the, what it's called, you throw that onto somebody's head and Raz can basically uh, enter their mind and that's where the whole uh, major thing in the, in, in the game comes comes into play. I find sometimes with the game that there's too many... It's it's a little bit too Inception-esque, where there's sort of like... You jump into one thing, then you jump into another thing, then into another thing. Because um, the bit I just did was the, the musical part of it, which is where you try to get this, this little band back together. And you have to go off and find like six different band members, and you find... I think you find them in pairs each. And there's like there's these little sections that the game breaks itself into. Um, I've I've finished it now. I'm onto the the mail part of the uh, the, the mailroom part of uh, of the game, uh, and you have to fix Krella's mind in there. Because basically, what you're trying to do at the moment, there's something I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's something going on with the Psychonauts uh, business, I suppose, and there's like some suspicions about what's going on. And you talk to a character, I can't say who because of spoilers, and then they recommend that you try to bring Agent Krella uh, back into the action, basically. And you have to go through three different things. One's a bowling alley, one's a hair salon, and one is the mailroom. 
to fix the three different versions of Cruella. And then I don't know what happens after that because I haven't got uh, that far. Uh, but you need to do things like go to auto shop at some point to get a new brain for Nick. Because uh, he's like not got a brain and he's walking around li- literally mindless because he hasn't got one. Um, I still think the best parts of the game... I mean, it's not just one good thing about Psychonauts. I mean, I think the characters are really interesting. I think the ideas within the game are really interesting. I think the uh, dialogue and things are really interesting. Like, the just the, the, the things in this world that the characters talk about. And I think that the both the platforming and the way it feels to navigate the platforming, so how good the gameplay feels, is some of its strong points. Um, I did actually go into the accessibility options... And I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's something to do with combat that you switch on. And most of your hits turn into one to three hit kills. And because I think the combat in the game is one of the weakest points, I wasn't really enjoying the combat. I think you get some good options like the telekinesis and the blasting and obviously the normal punching. But I felt like it was one of the weakest points of the game. Uh, I, I felt that about the first game as well, What one of the weakest points, which is kind of annoying because you get like telekinesis and all these other kind of cool things to use i just feel like the combat gets a little bit too busy at at uh at certain points um and yeah it basically makes the co- it, it literally says in the accessibility thing it, this is designed if you just want to kind of enjoy the story and kind of ease past the combat a bit and i thought you know what that is something that i want to use and it's an option there in a game that i'm playing and there's no reason i'm not allowed to use it so i, I decided to use that because um, I am more interested in the story and the characters and the world. But obviously the other strong point, like I said, is the platforming, which is quite strong and, and, and very, very good. And there's lots of uh, different uh, interesting ideas within the platforming as well. And just the general feel of controlling Raz and making him jump around and how smooth all the animations and things are is uh, is really, really good. So... um have you got much... When was the last time you played Psychonauts 2? Because I remember you said that you were playing it. Yeah, I played it when it came out, and then other things just came out, and it kind of fell by the wayside. So I do definitely need to get back into that. I do understand with the whole... Uh, the combat thing that you were talking about, because I had the same thing with uh, uh, Jedi Order, where I was stuck on the last boss. Uh-huh. And I already had the ending spoiled to me, so I didn't really care that much, so I just dropped it down into story mode. To finish off that last boss fight because I didn't want to go three saves back to collect a whole bunch of heal potion mm. uh, modules on random planets from random random searchings just so I could be in the fight a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm 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 getting through it. Uh, David has told me that the story took him about twenty something hours to do. So I'm trying to guess, like, based on what's going on in the story. How long it takes for that to get resolved, and then what could be after that? But uh, they get, I I will say that like since I've changed to the changed to the easier combat, the game has gone better in terms of uh, pacing. It's just that still within that storytelling, there's sometimes too many layers to get to the point. Maybe I don't know if it's even really a pacing issue because the individual parts of those are a bit shorter. It's just that you're jumping from one thing to another to get to one point it's it's a maybe it's more of a structural issue than a pacing issue um but still i'm i'm getting through it relatively relatively well 
So I, I don't want to say like relatively quickly, like I'm trying to rush through it, but I'm just in, enjoying the story and I want to want it to keep going at a good pace, basically. So yeah, uh, but that's roughly the point I'm up to with that. Um, I've not really played much much else. Um, uh, what else was the other thing? Uh, I still played some COD, you know, it's the same kind of thing with that. Um, oh, I just remembered actually, because it was so forgetful, uh, the thing that I mentioned to you and David earlier this week, I was just trying to rack my brain to think of what else I played. Battlefield 2042. Uh, I sent you a message about it, didn't I? Um, mm-hmm. not, not not a very positive message. I can't remember if I tweeted out my thoughts on the game. I, I can't remember where I said what. I was. Sometimes I lose track of where I say what. I say and all that kind of thing. Um, so Battlefield 2042, the beta came out. It was initially an open beta that you could only access with a code, which to me is more of a closed beta, but anyway. Uh, and then last week on Friday, so the week just gone, uh, from Friday, no, Saturday? Um, no, Friday morning, whenever it was, it opened a few days ago, the beta for about a day or so. Um, Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Now, lots of people have pointed out lots of different issues, and they're all right about the different issues. There's animation issues, there are just general lag and glitch and bug issues, all that kind of stuff that you could have with the game. Um, There's, yeah, all kinds of, like, weird stuff going on with the game. And the game's supposed to be out, I think, next month or within a couple of weeks. And they did say... That this is this is the part that confuses me a little bit. They said that this build of the game that they've put out as a beta is from a few months ago. If it's from a few months ago and you want us to test that, why don't you give us a bit of a newer version? Because then obviously we're gonna we're gonna obviously critique more an older version of the game that's less finished than a newer version of the game. So if you have a newer version now of Battlefield from October twelfth, I assume they've worked on it today or whenever they've worked on it that version i'm going to assume is going to be in a better state than what we played so i, I don't really quite get that um now i want to say before i say what i'm going to say in terms of my general big opinion on this uh on on this beta i've got quite a lot of experience when it comes to first person shooters i was trying to think of the other i was trying to think of today uh which other first person shooters games i've played and what i can kind of compare it to so on and off for the last 11 years or so I've played Call of Duty on and off like I've skipped certain games played played most of the games in in the series I've played Titanfall 1 and 2 Apex Legends Battlefield 3 4 and 1 Battlefield Bad Company I've played uh the Halo games obviously uh, so like Halo 3 no Halo 1 2 3 4 and 5 I've I've played all of those uh, what else is a first-person shooter that I've played? That's that's quite a lot of games in of itself. That's at least like ten, fifteen games or so. This is the worst first. This is the worst first-person shooter game I've ever played. This is the worst gunplay I've ever experienced, and it felt like I was playing. I said this to you and David. It felt like I was playing a PS3 game at certain points. I could tell you within about thirty seconds, just from general movement and shooting, reloading, animations, that kind of stuff. If you drop me into playing any first-person shooter game, all I have to do is start turning around a bit and shooting and, you know, trying to get a good feel of the gun and then reload it, see what the animation's like, see what it feels like to use a gun, because there isn't much more to a first-person shooter game than that type of movement. And what I did, you load into this, like, big 
uh, ground war type, massive scale war sort of thing, which isn't my thing, but I thought, hey, that's the only thing you can click on, so I'll jump in. I jumped straight in, and I thought, okay, I'm going to start trying to shoot immediately. Not at anybody particularly, but I'm just going to start shooting and see what the gun feels like. And within the first few seconds of me shooting, I thought, no, that doesn't feel right at all. Then I started reloading and moved about, then somebody shot me, so I'd spawned somewhere else. Again, I wasn't concerned about, like, doing well, I was just concerned about, sort of, testing the game and seeing how it felt to, to use. Um, one, of the, one of the really strange things about this game is, because this has got um, these, like, tornado features and things like that, where, like, tornadoes can get activated and obviously you need to get away from it. You would think if you looked at this game on a basic level and then you add that in that that would be the thing that would cause problems because you add a tornado into a game that can cause all sorts of glitches and bugs and whatever else. But I haven't heard from anybody. First of all I've heard from lots of people that it's quite hard to activate that thing the the tornado effect. So that's a bit strange whether they wanted to limit it for the beta I, I don't know. But from all of the people that I've um like seen that that have played the game and stuff none of the glitches or bugs or problems or anything have anything to do with that it's more just basic video game stuff so i find that um strange and quite interesting at uh at the same time um what do you think of the situation with the battlefield yeah i mean that's definitely not a good thing for any game at all to have a bad launch like that um I'm not a first-person shooter, so I really wouldn't be able to comment on anything like that. But I trust your opinion on it. And if you said it was it was amateurish, then then they really need to fix that hopefully before launch. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was bad. <laughs> um, there's certain actual PS3 and Xbox 360 games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and even like Call of Duty World at War that are better than this game. Um, and you know when it comes out, if they, I, I think they probably should delay it definitely, given the feedback, not just from what I've said, but from what basically everybody has said, that this is just really rough, that the state of this game. Um, now, if it comes out in this state, which I don't imagine it will, but we've seen things like that before, um, then yeah, I would look at a, an Xbox 360 game, PS3 game like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and say, yeah, that's a better game than this game. Because, well, it just feels better in every way, shape and form. So, um, let's let's hope it doesn't launch in this state because it's going to get slaughtered if it does. I mean, it's getting slaughtered already uh, in terms of people's opinions on it. So, we'll see, we'll see. But it's, uh, it, it's not good. It's not good at all. Like I said, if you give me like... 15 to 30 seconds in the first person shooter game I could tell you I can tell you if it's a if it's a good game or not because I have been playing different first person shooters for quite a while so yeah uh quite bad the game also just doesn't like tell you anything um because I started testing other things I was like okay how do I get a grenade out I couldn't figure how to do that and then like it said press the right button to get this box out i had no idea what the box was for the game didn't tell me and then i got shot again anyway uh and then it had something else for the left button i never got a chance to use that so i don't know um the the one new thing i found out about the game which is kind of interesting you can do sort of on the fly weapon modification which is quite cool but then if you put something like that into a game that doesn't really work properly then what's the point (laughs) so yeah uh we'll see how it goes for battlefield but uh 
it's not looking good. So there we go. Do you think they'll they'll uh, delay the game? Uh, probably. I mean, every other game gets delayed, so why not this one? Mm. Yeah. So there we go. Anyway, uh, let's jump into some housekeeping, and then uh, I've got some let's say interesting news to talk about today. Uh, we'll see you for all that in a minute. Hi there, and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links, the first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend, but it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our kualu affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with kualu using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well so if you need help with getting set up kualu will be able to help you with that as well the links for both of these can be found in your show notes for kualu and the amazon affiliate link If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new tv show or a film review of your choice that's three dollar level tier that does also of course include your ad free podcasts for the month as well thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show all right so a couple of dc podcasts that we've got we got our cw superheroes uh, all, all of our podcasts for superman and lois are now out so that's up to season one episode 15 for that uh ted lasso concluded its second season on apple tv plus it's renewed for a third season and possibly final uh looks like it should be a final season given how the second season ended and it was it was always intended to be a three season show but uh, the second season finale for ted lasso has gone out that season two episode 12 that's on apple tv plus uh we've also got some new podcasts for the flash as well so we're almost done with uh with with that and everything uh we got our legends of tomorrow wrap-up podcast that's a podcast wrap-up there will be a new season of legends of tomorrow uh it's ha- coming out really really soon actually it's it's quite uh surprising that the quick turnaround they've had uh specifically for that show so because it didn't wrap up that long ago and it's got a new season was it this month next month or something it's, i think it's, this week this yeah it's really really soon uh but we won't we won't be podcasting on the new season which is seven is the ne- the next season uh we did a podcast wrap up and uh we're not angry at the show or anything it's just well we explained on the podcast why we're wrapping the podcast up but um yeah that's that for legends of tomorrow uh walking dead well beyond returned for its second season uh we'll be covering season two episode two tomorrow so look out for that but we do have our season two 
episode one podcast. Uh, Walking Dead's wrapped up for its mid-season finale, 11A finale. There's going to be three parts instead of two this time to the 11th season, so it's not really a mid-season finale, but we'll be, we'll be covering uh, season 11, episode 8 tomorrow as well, so a bit of a Walking Dead Wednesday kind of thing going on. Uh, only for this week because the, one of the shows wraps up and then Fear comes back next week. So look out for all that. Uh, gaming talk last week. We talked about uh, Sackboy getting a crossover with The Last of Us. Uh, with the, the character skins and everything. Talked about an update from Konami. And Sony's also acquired Bluepoint which makes a lot of sense. Uh, to celebrate Black History Month I did a list called Top 10 Favorite Black Slash Person of Color. Uh, person of color characters uh, apparently it's um only uh it's only black history month in the uk because it's october and then i think it's march for the us or something so uh, i might do something a little bit different in uh in march we shall we shall see how that goes but that's for that list uh did two podcasts recently on zoe's extraordinary playlist one is called why zoe's extraordinary playlist is so special that podcast is built for both people that have and people that haven't seen the show there's no spoilers just getting into a bunch of discussion about why the show's so good and why people should watch it and also where to watch it because the situation as to where to watch the show is a little bit complicated and a little bit weird so i uh explained and discussed all of that i also wrapped up the actual season podcast that's season two episode 13 the season finale for zoe's extraordinary playlist there is a roku christmas film coming out um the showrunner on twitter did put today that they've almost finished filming somebody asked for a trailer uh of to when that's going to be so we shall see when that comes out but that's supposed to be a christmas film for zoe's extraordinary playlist that'll actually be on the roku channel uh, as opposed to NBC because NBC cancelled the show and Emroku picked it up. But that's everything we've been doing on entertainmenttalk.org. You can also find us on uh, podcast platforms to search for Entertainment Talk. Uh, let's get into some news. I'll go on my things first. So as I said at the start, uh, I've got one annoying stupid thing, one sad thing, one just normal update, and then one thing that's quite fun. So I'm going to go from the first thing I mentioned to the last thing, and I'll end my news section on a much more positive note. Uh, there isn't much to talk about with this first part, um, but uh, the Avengers game, which we're bringing up again, not because I want to, but because there's new news for it. Uh, they're adding microtransaction XP boosters, which if you rewind to E3 2019, I think, because it didn't have, uh, did they have an E3 in 2020? I can't honestly remember, but uh, when, whenever the last time was that we saw the Avengers game, the Square Enix conference at E3, I think it was 2019, because the game came out last year in September so 2020 so it must have been like a, the, the year before or whatever the one thing they did say in that press conference all that long time ago they've now gone against their own words which is that they said that there would be no paid uh, or pay to win scenarios so that turned out to be a lie or well, not necessarily a lie at the time but that was the situation they proposed then which they've now changed so if you want to call that a lie or something else that's that's up to you 
uh, but they are adding microtransaction XP booster, which is the exact thing that they said that they weren't going to add, which is basically pay-to-win scenarios, which is where you can, yes, go into the uh, store front for the game, and, well, as it says, you can use microtransactions to buy XP boosters, which is to level your character up quickly, which is a pay-to-win scenario. Uh, The point that they'd argued against that before is not only because that wasn't in the game at launch obviously we're uh, a year or so um, after launch because it's uh, now October 2021 Um, the one thing they did say that they were going to have at launch which was uh, the um, microtransaction thing for the the suits and everything that you get for the characters but those are cosmetic microtransactions which some people have still got an issue with and if you want to have an issue with that that's fine but that's different to pay-to-win scenarios, which is what this is. So they've now got both in the game anyway. Um, it keeps getting uh, weirder, stupider, stranger for, for this game. Um, this is quite a big mishandling of a video game for maybe the biggest IP in the world at the moment. Um, with, with Marvel, obviously you could argue about like DC and Star Wars, which are the two other big ones I would say are are there uh but marvel is a massive massive ip in this day and age especially with the success of the mcu uh robert what do you think of the further mishandling of uh this game and the the ip to be honest i think it's pretty irrelevant at this point everybody (laughs) that was going to play the game has already played it anybody that's not going to play the game this is definitely not going to entice them to play the game no so it means nothing in this point yeah yeah but um yeah, it's just it's interesting because I, I I was thinking the other day about uh, Wolverine and Spider Man Two, the upcoming games from Insomniac, and you know the the question pops up now and again: which superhero would you like a video game for? Uh, and you know people have thoughts about like you know if you did an Iron Man game or if you, or they already did do one, it was called Iron Man VR and it was fantastic. But, you know, people come up with like Justice League or the Avengers game or a Flash game or a Wonder Woman game. Uh, Avengers is one that I really, really wanted, and of course there is an Avengers game that exists. It's the one that we're talking about. But because um, in terms, because I would prefer if you would ask me or to get me to like put into production or something a superhero video game, I'd quite like a team up one. Now we'll see how Guardians of the Galaxy turns out. That's due October twenty sixth. I think it's 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 like the end of this month. Uh, which is also from Square Enix, but it's a different uh, development team uh, for, for for that one. Um, but yeah, I I'd always thought it would be more interesting maybe to have a team up superhero video game as opposed to a solo one. That's not to say that we've had bad ones. Obviously, we've had the Batman games, which have been great, the Spider Man games, which would be great, and I'm sure Insomniac will do a very good job with Wolverine as well. But uh, yeah, I'd love like a Justice League game or uh, a. a Better, let's just say better Avengers game, one that's much much better. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's a bit of a shame. But uh, would you let, let's say a Justice League game or a better Avengers game came out? Obviously, it'd be strange now to do a new Avengers game, given that this one's out. Uh, what would be your interest in? Like, what 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 would you prefer? Team up game like that, or one that's like a solo Spider Man type of game? Honestly, I think I'd like something along the lines of a solo Spider-Man. Uh, it doesn't have to specifically be Spider-Man. We've already gotten a good Spider-Man game, but something to where you know, it's not so overpowered of a character. Somebody 
in that line of yeah they they've got powers but they're not they nigh on unbeatable and then just occasionally through their actions they do interact with other Marvel characters. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I mean we do have the Injustice games which are like the obviously the DC stories and stuff. Those are very very good but obviously those are fighting games which are very different to these third person like so, sort of open world ish. I mean Avengers isn't really open world like Spider-Man's obviously open world. Uh, but Avengers is a bit more linear and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, I know recently they had the Wakanda update out with the Black Panther character and everything. Uh, Spider-Man's supposed, supposed to be dropping before the end of the year, which is weird because Spider-Man was announced way before the Black Panther um, expansion was announced, but obviously they couldn't get the Spider-Man one out first. So we'll see if the where, where the game goes from there. So I I don't know. Uh, let's talk about a bit of a not necessarily like sad in terms of someone's died, but because um, we have talked about deaths of certain people on these uh, podcasts before, but uh, a bit of bit of a sad situation in terms of um, EA's handling of a commentator in FIFA 22. So as I spoke about on this podcast probably six seven months ago, something like that, Alex Scott, who's a female. Uh, commentator in the the Premier League and probably other leagues as well but I'd know her from like her basically her Premier League sort of coverage and that sort of thing she was added as a commentator for FIFA 22 which is out now you can go and get it if you want to now of course there's the additional sort of like features it's got on next-gen consoles the hyper motion technology by the way don't bother buying FIFA 22 on switch because it's the same game as FIFA 19 and FIFA uh, just for those of you that don't know, and this is almost a bit of like a warning, uh, if you've got kids that got Switches or whatever and you want them to play a, a, a sports game or FIFA or something, FIFA 19, 20, 21 and 22 are the same game on Switch, the exact same game. Uh, there's a guy on IGN who does these two minute reviews of the new FIFA games on Switch and he's basically said the same thing every year which is this is the exact same game with updated rosters and like team kits and stuff and like new stadium names or or whatever but the gameplay from what I understand I haven't played it myself but from what I understand the gameplay of FIFA 19, 20, 21 and 22 on Nintendo Switch is the same game so if you're looking to get somebody that you know or you get get it yourself for, for yourself or whatever if you want to get a fifa game for switch apparently you might as well just buy fifa 19 because it's the same game and it will cost you hopefully less money so anyway uh fifa 22 um did yes add alex scott as a commentator uh the first um black and first female english commentator on the game which is kind of a big big breath of uh fresh air for for the franchise and everything um, she's not quite been added in the as a commentator in the way that you'd think. So I'm going to read this article. This is from thegamer.com, and this is published by uh, somebody called Stacy Henley. I don't know who that actually is, but that's the person's name who wrote this. It says FIFA 22 is wasting Alex Scott, its first black and first female English commentator. It says Alex Scott is a breath of fresh air in modern football, but FIFA 22's commentary team is still two stale white men. Uh, that might seem like quite a statement, but as because obviously that's from her female perspective. From my male perspective, she's right. But you know, Lee Dixon and <coughs> uh, Derek Ray, they've gotten a bit uh, stale 
over the last couple of years, especially because I've jumped from FIFA 20 to 21, and I haven't heard many new lines from the two of them, which is really, really bad. I don't know if that's an EA thing, or from them, or whatever the case. But anyway, it says, yeah, Alex Scott is a breath of fresh air in modern football, but FIFA 22's commentary team is still too stale. White men. Uh, football fans love to complain about commentators. In some ways, we've got uh, a point. BBC's top co-commentator right now is Jermaine Genus, who's terrible. Uh, while RTV's is Lee Dixon, so the same one who's on these FIFA games. Uh, quite why, I have no idea. Dixon, so Lee Dixon, has thankfully been ditched in FIFA 22. But his replacement, Stuart, Robins- Stuart Robson, who I'm not familiar with, is equally uninspiring. While main commentator Derek Ray continues his mispronunciation Mis- continues to mispronounce names, which is really annoying actually, react with the wrong tone and generally feel like a dull imitation of previous FIFA commentators, Martin Tyler. Martin Tyler was much better. Uh, this year, FIFA 22 added Alex Scott into the mix, but has done so in the most lackluster way possible. Even before the sexism, it was still a huge. Uh, I was still. I was never a huge fan of Andy Gray. I remember that incident. Basically, there was an incident about five, six years ago, maybe even longer ago than that. Uh, Andy Gray and there was another commentator. They thought their microphones were turned off, and it was something to do with uh, like a female commentator or somebody like that. And they said, "Oh, women probably don't know the offside rule," but they thought their microphones were turned off, but they weren't, and they got fired for it, obviously, because that's a sexist comment. So even before the sexism, I was never a huge fan of Andy Gray. But for all the um, plonkers, let's add Mark Lawrence, Steve McManon, and Robbie Savage to that part too. I really don't like Robbie Savage at all. Plus, he played for the worst Premier League team of all time, Derby County. So there's that to add to it. I'm not saying he doesn't have football experience, but he talks a bit in nonsense sometimes. Uh, to add to that part too, there's a lot of great ones to uh, who. There's a lot of great ones whose work gets ignored. Emma Hayes, Gary Neville, who's a former Manchester United player, Pat Nevin, and Jamie Carragher. Uh, I love the back and forth between Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. They're uh, former Manchester United and Liverpool players, so obviously like rivals and stuff. But they're good like friends, and they have really good football conversations and things. So, our insightful voices in the commentary box. Uh, Guy Mowbray, Alan Parry, Jonathan Pierce, and Darren Fletcher have fantastic ways of describing the beautiful game. It goes without saying that Ali McCoist and Clive Tilsley are a delight together. I recognise some of those names. Clive Tilsley, I remember being quite good. Alex Scott marks a huge milestone for FIFA 22. Not only is she the first woman, uh, yeah, woman commentator, she's also the first black person to be commentating in it. And bear in mind, FIFA's been going for quite a long time. Um, at least as far as the default English voiced cast goes, it's not just those factors though. Along with Mika Richards and the aforementioned uh, Emma Hayes, Scott is part of the new wave of football pundits. They're more attuned to the modern game, more brought into the importance of tactical systems and less likely to blame losses on a lack of passion and belief. In fairness, in real life she commentates rarely. Rather than describing the action uh, blow by blow, so point by point, she tip- she's typically in the studio dissecting the action before and after the match. With her affable uh, personality and camera-ready disposition, she's moved into presenting as well. Uh, taking a l- slightly less analytical position on Football Focus to be the face of the show as well as leading the BBC's Olympics coverage, which I don't particularly watch, but 
she's on that as well. It shouldn't be a surprise that she's not um, a main commentator on FIFA 22. But it is a disappointment. Instead, so this is Alex's actual role. She's not a main commentator throughout the game. Instead, she's the goal commentator. This is a role that only appears in career mode. So you can't hear her voice, I think, anywhere else. Because the reason she's in this game, you wouldn't really hear in, in the other modes. This is a role that only appears in career mode. Where the where commentary of your own game is disrupted to let you know Jesse has just put one past Burnley. I'll explain what this is in a second. Anna McAnally has done this job for the past few years. Not only is this a waste of Scott's talents. Uh, to only use her for a few lines per match in a single game mode. But her role seems to have been, for lack of a better word, nerfed. Um, in three career mode games so far, not counting preseason, which doesn't use goal commentary. Because it yeah, wouldn't really apply in that situation. Scott has only had one line per match in uh, two of the three cases. She's been cut off by drama in my own game. So she's talking here about her experience of the games itself. Uh, she's been... Cut off by drama in my own game. Neither time did Derek Ray either throw it back to Scott or even summarise what she was saying. This used to happen too with uh, McAnally. So likely I've either been lucky, unlucky, sorry, or this is an early release bug. Well, the game's out now, so hopefully they've fixed that if that was a bug. Uh, but even without that, it's a blatant waste of Alex Scott. Uh, I'd understand if FIFA still had um, John Motson and Ali McCoist or if Martin Tyler was back. This time with Gary Neville instead of Alan Smith or Andy Gray, but it's Derek Gray. Worse, the game has actually replaced a, common, a commentator this year. It's not like Lee Dixon's six-year contract forced Scott out of the position. The choice between giving the main role to Stuart Robson and Alex Scott is obvious, and FIFA made the wrong one. And then the last two paragraphs here. Uh, it's not just that I like Alex Scott. It's not even... That she'd be a huge step forward for diversity in sport with a diverse fan base, a diverse pool of athletes, and until recently, an incredibly not so diverse media arm. Um, an incredibly not diverse media arm. It's that she's so obviously the correct choice. Uh, recently, when Scott was hosting the Olympics, which again I didn't see for myself, uh, she was criticised by Lord. Digby Jones, I have no idea who that is, a privately educated peer for her accent. Um, she responded the next night by emphasising her work class Tower Hamlet um, delicate, telling viewers to look forward to running. And there's a bunch, yeah, she describes a bunch of like the Olympic sports and stuff. Alex Scott's identity doesn't make her and us versus them figure. She is a black woman and FIFA's core audience is straight men. Which is, I, I, yeah, I would probably agree with that. Or at least men in general. Uh, while gaming as a whole still sees the white as the default character archetype, you can still be a straight white man. Uh, Alex Scott can still represent you. I don't want Alex Scott to have a bigger role as some kind of petty victory over the f typical FIFA players. We're all on the same side here. That's an important thing to, to note. If you're a working class fan who has never felt like the beautiful game is being stolen from you by billionaires, corporate greed and super league style endeavours, Alex Scott um, is you. She and people like her is a crucial part of modern football. FIFA 22 seems to understand her potential but right now is wasting it. So just to quickly actually like fully explain. So the role Alex Scott has been given basically... 
is uh, let's say I'm playing a career mode game and I'm playing as Manchester United, right? And I'm playing against Chelsea, for example. But let's say Liverpool were playing against Burnley at the same time. There's a feature called, I think it used to be called Goal News. It's so that if you're playing, say that's a Premier League game or something. It's so that you can know if Liverpool are winning or losing by commentary updates in case they're a point away from you or wherever you are competing against them in the league. And uh, as she said there, Alan McAnally has this job on FIFA 20 and 21, I think. And uh, that's the role that Alex Scott has been given. And it can be interrupted. So let's say... Uh, let's say you're doing just a general bit of midfield player or whatever whatever the situation may be. And um, the person, so in this case it would be Alex, it used to be um, Ali McAnally. Let's say with this situation it's Alex Scott. And she and uh, the commentator would say, oh we've got a goal update at Liverpool or something. Um, like what's happening over there. And then Alex Scott in this situation would say like, hey it's a goal for Liverpool, it's Mohamed Salah or whatever. It's a, kicked it in the bottom right corner. She'd describe the goal if it's a penalty or something, and then she'd go, "It remains one nil or something like, or if it's one one or just a, just a very quick little update." When we talked about Alex Scott's inclusion or addition in FIFA 22, and I, I thought like, "Oh, they're going to have her as a main commentator alongside somebody else, whether it be Derek Ray or Lee Dixon or somebody new or whoever." Uh, I remember there was a FIFA game three four years ago where you could choose between two different commentary teams and I've not seen that in the game since which would be a good option if you're getting a bit tired of one commentary team switch over to the other one but yeah Alex's role can either be a 20 second little update about hey a goal at Liverpool Salah scored against Burnley it's it's 1-0 or whatever but if something happens in your game let's say I pass the ball through to Rashford for May United and I score and they go, oh, it's a go, and that, that kind of thing. If Alex is talking at that time, the commentators in the game would interrupt her, or like cut, they'd cut the thing off, and then they'd, just, they'd talk about Rashford's goal that I've just scored in my game. Um, yeah, it is a massive mishandling of not only a black um, female commentator, but the game's first female commentator. This is an example to me of... Okay, you're trying to do sort of right by diversity in sports, but this is a complete mishandling of that to basically reduce Alex's role to something very, very small. Uh, something which you can actually entirely switch off. And there's even some games in career mode where if a team isn't playing at the same time as you, you won't hear any updates anyway. Because you're the only, like on rare occasions where you're the only team that's playing. Let's say you've got a cup final or something like that. Uh, so it's really, really disappointing. And as somebody who hasn't jumped into FIFA 22 yet, and I will do in six months to a year or wh- whenever the case may be, I find that quite disappointing. Um, what do you think of this whole situation, Robert? Well, I'm not really one to comment on this situation because, for one, I don't really play sports games on the whole. And two, I don't play football games at all. Um, and three, I think most... AIs that try to do commentary just had like the same 10 or 12 phrases that they just repeat over and over again, so it just all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. I do think that even live, most commentators are boring because they generally try not to be cited towards one fan base or the other. 
try to keep it on an even keel, which is yeah something that makes sense for a commentator. But then you just don't get the joy and passion and energy out of the game unless something truly spectacular happens. Um, outside of that, I just don't know enough about the background of any of the players involved. When I say players, I mean commentators. Uh-huh. To, re- to really just be able to think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just disappointing that, like, they've seeked out somebody different to add to the game. Somebody very different. Not only, of course, a different person of color, but a female. So you actually get, like, a totally different voice anyway, because it's a woman speaking and not a man. Um... I, do, I just yeah I just don't get like at least give somebody the option that's that's one thing FIFA's really missed is like no you're stuck with Lee Dixon and Derek Ray great I get to hear about Lee Dixon talk about technique for the 50th time or Derek Ray in the most monotone voice talk about a goal or or something like that it's just um I I think in general I think Lee Dixon and Derek Ray were there for too long. I think you should refresh the FIFA commentators probably every two years. But then again, I think you should still have two teams. The weird thing about that, though, is when you do international games, because you can get, like, an international job on career mode, and you can take your team, like, England or whatever, to the, to the World Cup or to the Euros, you get a different commentary team. Um, but then they don't let you use that other comment. It's still two men on the other side of, of that as well. But the game doesn't let you use those commentators for the league either it like has to be the international games it's just a bit silly and restrictive um because i remember the there was one fifa game i can't remember which year it was from but they let you switch quite a lot between or they let you switch whenever you wanted uh between two different commentary teams and i used to switch all the time and it was quite fresh um so yeah but uh i don't know it's, it's just really disappointing that they okay we'll bring you in for the commentary team but you get basically your the lines that you get to give are these 20 second things which can get cut off or never heard from at all. Uh, it's just, I, I think it's really disappointing. So, uh, it has no yeah. effect on, it has no effect on the actual gameplay, obviously, but it's just, it's, it's that immersion sense. I, I think that gets a bit, uh, a bit taken away. So, um, yeah, I think if they wanted to really truly do something different, just get celebrity commentators in there that have no idea what they're doing to try yeah. to commentate that. Because at least that would be interesting. You know, get the cast from the Great British uh, Bake Off trying to commentate <laughs> a football match. You know, listen to Paul Hollywood and uh, Noel Fielding try to talk about the sport. I'd yeah. at least be interested in that to watch a YouTube video for a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'd always would have been interested uh, in Chris Kamara because he's such a bubbly, like, funny fun person but still takes the sport seriously to enough of a degree him and a female uh maybe alex scott if you want to choose her there's obviously other people there's like laura woodsy who's who's quite good um i know you don't really know these names i'm just throwing names into the ring that would be quite good just just to really mix it up a bit like get 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 somebody totally different that's never commented on the game before because there's quite a few different pundits to to choose from um, and the, the the interesting thing is you don't even necessarily have to get them to come in and do new lines because I remember I think it's Derek Ray's talked before about the actual difficulty of it which is you've kind of got to react in terms of you're not reacting to a game live you're doing recorded things 
which is much, much different to what they're used to. I understand that. But the funny thing is as well, they could get... Um, I mean, you could, you could get certain new recorded lines, but you could mix that in with just, just get clips off... Obviously get the person's permission and all that and pay them and stuff. Get clips of people talking off of like YouTube and commentators like that and... It's it would be I mean it'd be a bit of an editing process, but it would be a way that you could do it. Because uh, I'm sure certain commentators before have commented on Rashford scored a goal or Lukaku scored a goal, so those lines are already probably out there. So it doesn't have to always be, and those are those would be a bit different as well because those would be lines that have been recorded in real time, so they'd have a slightly different sort of tone and stuff to it. So I don't know. There's there's just lots of options they could do. And they haven't really done quite the right thing here, I think. So, Hit random pubs and just kidnap fans from different teams, get them liquored up, and then throw them in a recording booth and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like it's, even with the suggestions you're making, there's lots of different things they could do. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on from that and talk about um, Agent. Agent, for those of you who might not know, because I kind of forgot this game existed, and it's not coming out now anyway. Agent was a PS3 game uh, developed by Rockstar. Of course, the developer... I don't really need to explain who Rockstar are, so I'm not going to do that. But, um, yeah, they put a little update on their website. This sort of back-end thing in terms of their catalogue and that kind of stuff. And Agent was noticed to get removed from Rockstar's uh, website. Um, This was supposed to be a game that came out on PS3. Obviously, we heard nothing about it, I think, throughout the entire Xbox One PS4 generation. Now we're obviously into the Xbox Series X PS5 generation. I don't remember hearing much, if anything, about this game. It was obviously going to be called Agent, and it was a Rockstar game. That's That's as much as I ever knew about this game. I don't know if any more was ever revealed about it. Um, But it's not coming out. We don't really know what took so long in terms of why this game took so long to get some sort of update whether it was going to be the game was going forward or the game's cancelled or the game stuck in development hell or uh anything like that it just went really really quiet and really dead for a very very long time and uh it's now been removed from uh, rockstar's website do you remember anything about this game at all agent on ps3 i don't know if it was supposed to be an exclusive but it was a ps3 game uh from rockstar doesn't ring any bells. No, no. Um, which is it doesn't surprise me that you've you've said that. I kind of now and again I'd hear on different podcasts like you know maybe the Sacred Symbols one they talk about Agent and there was even certain videos sometimes like from E3 predictions that I'd watch and people would say hey Rockstar's going to bring Agent back like, as, as a prediction but um, no uh, I suppose on the good side of this that. There wasn't anything particular to be excited for because nobody seemed to know what this game really was. So it's not like, oh, I saw this part of this game and I'm really excited for it, you know? Of like, oh, this gameplay section looks good or this character looks cool or this setting is good. Um, So there was nothing really attached to it per se. I just, I wonder kind of what happened here because, I mean... Rockstar's noted for obviously their their GTA games is obviously their biggest ones. They've done the Bully games. They've done the LA Noir games. Uh, those are just a few a few of them. But Agent was one that really just came and went, and nobody really talked about it after that. So, what what do you think kind of happened here? I'm sure it's like anything else. It just got stuck in development hell, and then they just ran the numbers and decided that 
they weren't going to make their money back on it, and they just decided to cut loose. Mm. Yeah, could be, could be. So, anyway, there's really not much else to talk about with that because we don't have much other information. But Agent isn't coming out for those of you who wanted the game. It's uh, not coming out. So, uh, but a big positive update from uh, Rockstar. This was leaked a few weeks to a month ago, roughly, and we did talk about it at the time. It's now been confirmed. GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. So the, they're called the GTA Trilogy. I wouldn't really call them that, but it, it is a trilogy of GTA games. Uh, but 3, Vice City, and San Andreas remasters are confirmed. Uh, they're going to be launching in 2021, which I'm quite happy about, actually. With a mobile version launching in 2022, I would not want to play Grand Theft Auto or any third-person game on a phone. Uh, I tried it with Fortnite, and my one issue with playing any third-person games on a phone is, okay, if you're going to hold your phone, let's say landscape-wise, which you probably would do for a game like that, and use your two thumbs... How many different controls are there for a third person, not just act, not just shooting game or action, you know, third person game in general, especially with something like GTA where you're going to be getting in and out of cars, swapping weapons, shooting, jumping, running, all, all sorts of different actions that you're going to be doing. If you're holding your phone in landscape, you're probably using it with two thumbs, right? That's mm-hmm. a lot of buttons to be pressing with two thumbs. Uh, obviously, you could do something like put your phone down on a surface and use all the fingers and thumbs that you want, but... The other issue then is you start covering your screen with your hands because your hands would be all over the thing as opposed to if you're playing any other normal game if it's a PC game or a console game your hands are not on your screen and your hands are either on a mouse and keyboard or on a controller so you're not covering the entire thing and you've also got more buttons to operate all these different things so anyway that that's why games like um Things like Candy Crush and Angry Birds are much more suitable for mobile games because you don't really. There's not a lot of functionality there, really. So it's uh, it's much easier. Or even with the the Crash, I don't really play it anymore. But the Crash on the Run game, it was basically just swiping left and right, jumping up and down, or jumping up, sliding, and maybe tapping the screen for different things now and again. But it, it worked pretty well. Uh, I'm very, very happy about this. As somebody who's been praising remasters of games since roughly 2017's Crash Bandicoot, we've had lots and lots of remasters of 90s video games. Uh, Crash, Spyro, Tony Hawk, Medieval, Final Fantasy, the list goes on and on. Obviously the three big missing ones are Tomb Raider, Final Fa- uh, Tomb Raider Silent Hill, and Metal Gear, but those are a different thing for a different time. Um... But yeah, this is just remo- re- more remasters of not necessarily 90s games, uh, but I think these are all PS2 games, aren't they? Since GTA San Andreas is, I think these are all PS3 games, yeah. Uh, P- PS2 games, sorry. Uh, so slightly later on in the PlayStation lifecycle than those 90s PS1 games, but this to me again is about the preservation of video games and making games more accessible for people that don't want to go out and buy a ps1 or a ps2 and buy a physical copy of gta or whatever you want to whatever you want to get which is going to cost you quite a bit of money um this is a situation where most people have got ps4s most people that play like modern games and things have maybe got pcs or ps4s ps5s xboxes those kinds of things um and it's simply a case where you'll get a remastered version of a game on the console that you're using so it's it's really as simple as that to me. 
Um, but yeah, what do you think of this being confirmed now? It's not surprising. I mean, this this is a, a franchise that was ripe for a remake. Yeah. And I really didn't see them remaking the original Grand Theft Auto because that was a top-down game, which is actually one of the few games that I would play on mobile is a top-down. I don't remember if 2 was a top-down or if 2 was the first entry into third person. Based on the age of the games, I think that 3 might have been the first shift from top-down to uh, third person. Mm. Um, but yeah, this group perfect in that little narrow subsection of somebody that's my age would remember the game but might not have played it, depending on you know situations at the time. It's old enough that it could use a serious facelift, but not so old. It's not like you're turning a, a 16-bit game into something modern. Um, so yeah, it's in that perfect little wheelhouse. Yeah, definitely. Uh, while you were talking, there, I was looking up. Uh, GTA 1 and 2 are top-down games. Uh, I think all the rest are third-person games, aren't they? Apart from this, yeah. there's the Chinatown Wars game, which nobody talks about anymore. Uh, which was on, like, Game Boy or something? Let me just quickly look that one up. GTA Chinatown Wars. Uh, oh, no, that's a, uh, is that a top-down game? Sort of. I'm just looking at some screenshots. Uh, but that was a... That was on PSP. I think that was a handheld-only game. That was a... A strange one. But nobody talks about that anymore. So... Um, but yeah, I think all the... Like, GTA 3 onwards are all, uh... Third-person games as well. Uh, it's interesting, because if you remember from... What, a couple of months ago? I was going through GTA San Andreas... On the PS4, because you can buy it... Uh, on the PS2 Classics section, which is a bit hidden, but you can still go and get it. And I like the game for the most part, but I found the controls to be quite awkward. And this will hopefully fix that problem. So that will be me jumping back into GTA San Andreas. I've played very, very, very little of Vice City. I've played like a sample portion of that that I remember. Uh, I think that was with a character called Tony something. I can't remember. Obviously uh, CJ. Is uh, GTA San Andreas. GTA 3 I don't know much about. Um, but yeah. That was uh, pretty interesting. I can't wait for the day that GTA has a female lead protagonist. I think that will be uh, very very interesting. And there's going to be people that will get very mad about it as well. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I really like the GTA games. I've played 4 and 5. Uh, I really, really like four. Actually, four, four is one that I like to get remastered as well. That's a two thousand and six game, I think. Um, it's actually from the same generation as GTA Five because they were both, um, excuse me, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty games. Uh, but most mm-hmm. people look at GTA Five now, and it's on PS Three, Four, and Five. But you wouldn't look at GTA Five and go, "Oh, that's a PS Three game." <laughs> Uh, but it's from the same generation as uh, GTA 4. So, and that... sure, it's at the very end of the generation. Yeah, yeah, it's like a... Yeah, just, just before the end of that cycle. Um, but no, GTA 4, I'd like to get... That would be quite a nostalgia thing for me, uh, GTA 4. Because I have a little bit of nostalgia for San Andreas. Vice City and 3 would be like fresh experiences to me, pretty much. Uh, what about you? What's your kind of history with uh, GTA? Have you played many of them? I've played a bit of four, uh, never clicked with me. I really wanted to like five, but the story just never 
click with me either. I think it's just because you're bouncing between between three main protagonists. Hmm. I did more of the online once that stabilized and became a good thing, just because they had no rules and so everything could be wacky. So you could get flying cars and uh, cars with rocket jet boosters and then a parachute to float down and hmm. stunt races and all kinds of wackiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a bit of controversy. Well, if you talk about anything on the internet, it's controversial. Um, but uh, there was some news that broke out in the last couple of days. This isn't confirmed. This is more rumor stuff that the it's possibly going to cost seventy dollars for these three games. Uh, do you think that's worth it? Depends on the quality of the remaster. Mm-hmm. I think in general, seventy might be a little bit high. Um, if it was like 40, I think it'd have a much more engagement point to it. Because um, 70, that's a brand new game. That's 70, that's a game coming out like right now for the next gen yeah, yeah. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I can rent it from Boomerang. <laughs> that's how I'm going to get it. So, yeah. Um, the other interesting part that was connected to this is Sony... Uh, I can't remember. I don't think this was confirmed. I think it was more rumor stuff. But the Sony was Sony was looking to remove the PS2 classic versions of these games from the PlayStation Store. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, but then if you want like a cheaper version of them, I guess you can get them that way. Uh, I don't know. I, I like if these remasters become like a definitive version. Why would you want the original PS2 versions? Um, what, what do you think of Sony possibly doing that? I think it would make sense. I mean, once they came out with the Mass Effect remastered, um, I don't think they removed the uh, the original Mass Effects from the store, but there's no reason to buy it. Mm. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, that's my news things. What have you got to talk about this week? Uh, well, first up, we've got some uh, one-off branding for the Xbox Series X in conjunction with the Nintendo All-Star Brawl game that's coming out. Xbox is releasing a SpongeBob SquarePants-themed Series X and a uh, Donatello Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Series X. The SpongeBob looks like exactly what you would think it looks like. Uh, the uh, uh, I'm sorry, I apologize, my brain didn't work there. The Leonardo... Um, Ninja Turtle looks a lot heavily inspired from the early 90s cartoon show. Now, these are not consoles that you can buy. You have to find the tweet on the official Xbox account and retweet it for a chance to win. The contest runs through October 24th. Um, They both look really good. I mean, I'm not a big SpongeBob fan, but given that he is a square sponge, the modeling fits really well. Um, if I w- if I was gonna win either, I might definitely want to win the Ninja Turtle one because it just looks cooler. Hmm. Yeah, I do like the Ninja Turtles a lot more than SpongeBob. Um, I did used to watch SpongeBob when I was younger. Um, I actually tried watching an episode. It was this year at some point. I can't remember when it was. And uh, SpongeBob's laugh really irritated me. And I turned it off. So. <laughs> if you want to see a funny video, there's a video out there of all the voice actors recreating a scene from SpongeBob, but it's live action, but they're doing their SpongeBob voice. And they're also mildly cosplaying 
as their SpongeBob counterparts. Right. They're not in full costume, but they have like this, like the um, the guy that does the voice for SpongeBob. He's got a yellow shirt and brown pants, and they all just look enough alike to where when you hear the voice, you realize yes, that is that person. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I just think there's better characters to. Uh. <laughs> to 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 watch on on TV, but in terms of this, you know, if you do like SpongeBob, and you want an Xbox Series X, then there you go. And if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I do, uh, then there you go for for, for that one. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, Ninja Turtles game that's that's coming out. That looks really really cool. Uh, but does this hint a little bit towards? Is Microsoft doing a little bit better in terms of the whole chip shortage uh, thing that's that's going on? Is I don't any... know so much better because all these chips, and when people say chips, it's a bit of a misnomer because it's not like there's a singular chip right, on the these parts, boards. Yeah, shortage on, there, yeah. there's, the motherboards themselves have hundreds of different chips. It's that one last part. I, I think this is more just Microsoft has always been able to and willing to do specialized themed one-off consoles um then uh sony did a little bit of it with the ps4 because there was the uh the 20th or 30th anniversary edition one there was the spider-man one and then there was the one that uh looked like the original playstation console so but microsoft is always doing that because there was the uh um, Jedi uh, Fallen Order one, and then the Forza 6 one, and then the Halo one, and then the other Halo one, and then the other Halo one, and then the Gears one. So they're always doing theme-branded consoles. Mm. And it doesn't say, the article doesn't say how many they're going to be, so they might just have, like, one of each, or three of each. It just depends on how many they plan on giving out. Mm. It's <laughs> not like you can buy those consistently. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is like a deal with Nickelodeon? I'm sure it's some sort of cross-branding promotion. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but they are there if you want to buy them. Uh, what else do you want to talk about today? Well, this Friday is going to be the Animal Crossing New Horizons Direct online. Uh, this is not going to be as long as last month's Nintendo Direct, but the entirety of this presentation will be on the upcoming expansion to Animal Crossing. And it's weirdly in a convenient place for most people because it is going to be on a Friday, so it's not like a Tuesday thing to where you're in the middle of the work week. You're at the end of the week. It's going to be 10 a.m. Eastern, which is going to put it at 3 p.m. British time. So, again, fairly convenient. Um, you're going to see stuff from uh, – it's going to be on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be breakdowns on it. So it's just, I know several people that are huge, huge fans of uh, Animal Crossing and getting this big of an update to where it justifies its own individual, unique um, direct message is kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty good um, that they're doing uh, more with Animal Crossing, uh, which I wonder how many copies it sold by this point. I think the last it is we... literally the best-selling game on the Switch. Yeah, it actually it was... outpaced. Uh, yeah, it was fifteen, of the wild. fifteen million the last time we heard, but that was a long time ago. So um, I'm kind of wondering if it was a game I'd like. 
Uh, obviously, it's got a lot of praise from people that have played it. In fact, I've not heard anybody that said, like, this is a bad game. I've either just heard people say, like, this is my type of game, I really like it, or just certain people that have said, like, now I'm going to sort of step aside, it's not re really my uh, thing. So You have to like a, a lot of resource gathering, a lot of construction planning, and a lot of building, because that is the core of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just trying to find a video at the moment. Um, there's an ASMR uh, artist who I follow called ASMR Darling. And she's called Taylor. And she made an Animal Crossing video once where she was playing the game. Obviously the game is supposed to be like calming and all that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if you can even come across like enemies or anything. I think it's just the case that you, you build a community or whatever it is that you do. Unlike in because I know that like Minecraft has all those like, building mechanics and stuff, but you can put like zombies in the game that you fight. So that's that's why I'm sort of yeah. There's there's no combat. This is definitely a at least intended for age twelve and under in terms of your interaction with the game. Mm -hmm. The most anything that you can consider would be even remotely violent is fishing, and even then that's just fishing. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, I can't find it at the moment, but she has done a video for it. Although, if you search for ASMR Darling Animal Crossing, it doesn't come up. So, I can't help anybody in terms of finding that. Although, there are a lot of different ASMR artists who've done Animal Crossing videos, apparently. Judging by what I'm looking at. Which, again, makes sense. It's supposed to be that kind of calming game. So, uh, but I will look for that later. Because uh, she basically does ASMR while she plays the game which is uh multi multi-talented so um but yeah i might like if i can find that video not only do i want to watch it for the asmr itself but uh yeah i'm kind of curious about the game it's it, it's just that um because i've watched kid icarus on youtube when he's played like other games and he talks to his uh, i think wife or partner or i can't remember what they are uh girlfriend i think um Keris in in the background and she's playing like Animal Crossing now and again they have little fleeting sort of conversations and she mentions at some point that she spent 700 hours in it and I don't know if I'd spend 700 hours in Animal Crossing or if you'd need to do that or like if there's an end game or something so there's not um, really an end game yeah it's just so. continuing what you're doing mm -hmm. yeah but um I don't know maybe, maybe I'll check it out one day but I'm gonna look at that video first so, uh, any interest from yourself to play Animal Crossing? Um, I do own the game. I have played a little bit of it. But I it's one of those things that it's almost like a second job mm. in terms of you constantly have to, you have to log in every day. You have to check into the Nook station every day. You have to check on this every day. You have to check on that every day. Um, it's very... I don't want to say monotonous because it's not boring because it is interesting in exploring and discovering. It's very... I also can't even think of a good word. Like chore-heavy sort of thing? Chore-heavy would be the closest. Um, I mean, I, that's the closest that I can get to it. Mm. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, that's uh, your update on Animal Crossing. <clears throat> so, there you go. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, sticking with Nintendo, the OLED version is out now. I'm sure it's out of stock in most places. Um, I've checked a couple of review sites on it, and the general consensus 
is that it's not more powerful than the original Switch that came out. It just has a better screen. Uh, the one thing that I did note of uh, that is that if you are planning on upgrading to the Switch, but you want to use um, your old Switch, you don't actually want to do a data transfer. You want to deregister your current console as a primary system on your account and make the OLED Switch your primary. This will let you keep playing any digital games on the system, on both systems that you purchased, provided you are signed in um, to both models. So I found that very interesting that if you do a data transfer from your old Switch to your new Switch, you lose the ability to play digital games on your old Switch. That's quite stupid. That's Nintendo. <laughs> they do brilliant, brilliant things and then endlessly <laughs> stupid things. He's going to say that. Oh, dear. Oh, Nintendo. The company that removed their own game from their digital store. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to forget that that happened. They only happened this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it'd be like if the Halo Master Chief collection came out. <laughs> and, then, and then six months later, Microsoft's like, eh, we're taking it off. Why? Eh, we're just, we're, we're just going to. What's, what's the reason? Eh, we're just uh, going to look for it physically for $70. <laughs> oh, man. Um... But yeah, uh, no, I've not got any interest at all in an OLED Switch. Uh, not only because I'm not a graphics person in the way that I've never really cared about improved visuals for things, but I don't use my own Switch as much as I maybe should. I'm still trying to go through uh, Luigi's Mansion piece by piece, and I'm looking forward to playing Metroid Dread, but I won't need the Switch OLED to have a better experience of those games. Sure, the screen will look better, but I don't want to pay however much to experience that when that's not really a feature I actually particularly care about. So, plus the game looks good enough to me anyway. So, it's more of a... It's funny, isn't it? It's like Nintendo... You know that phrase, if it isn't broke, don't fix it? It's almost like, okay, you're the, the actual tablet thing that you've got for the Switch is completely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's the Joy-Cons that are the problem. And then it's the Switch that they improve. <laughs> and not the Joy-Cons. Um, it, it is quite funny sometimes going from my PS4 controller and then on the, in the car on the way to work, which I'm in the back seat, by the way, obviously, obviously I'm not playing a Nintendo Switch and driving because that would be quite stupid. But, uh, um, it's funny going from that to a Switch and then like, wow, these buttons are really quite small. Uh, cause I can't use like a pro, well, I can use a pro controller, but I don't have one. Um, but I can't use the uh, USB dongle thing for on the go. I have to use the Joy-Cons. And they're just, they're very small. Um, especially there, there was like a quite intense part in Luigi's Mansion. Where I was looking for this cat. Because uh, the cat is like, has stolen one of the elevator buttons that you need to progress the game. And Luigi has to go after this cat and, and catch it. I think I talked about that last time. But that's the last bit that I played. And like, there's this bit where the cat is... <clears throat> Excuse me, the cat is um, like jumping up into these branches and you have to like aim up in the air and like confuse the cat and do all this other stuff. And there's a part where you have to have your back towards this cat and the cat grows in, in size and everything. And just as it goes to attack you, you have to spin around and like flashlight it and then suck it out with the vacuum thing, like Ghostbusters style. And the amount of times that the Joy-Con analog sticks let me down and just, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. 
So, uh, but if you want a better screen, then that option is there for you. So, and did, thankfully, did... it's uh, it's not overly more expensive than the base model. It's only fifty dollars more US. Okay. Okay. Um, I did see a, cut, a review from somewhere that was like, "Oh, this is not the like. When is the the Switch Pro coming out?" Which told me what I needed to know. So yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, well, the last thing I have to talk about, we're not going to spend too much time on because if you're at all even remotely clicked into the video game world, you have been hearing about this for almost the past week, and that is, of course, the Twitch hack. Twitch obviously suffered a massive, massive data breach, and you need about 20 more massives to really comprehend the size of it because the original post on a 4chan message board released 125 gigabits of data, and that was part one, according to them. Uh, the two big things is that it uh, was the source code for Twitch, so in the entirety of the back end of the programming. This is a source code for mobile, desktop, and consoles. The other big takeaway, um, which people are focusing on more and not the first stuff, is the last three years worth of details regarding creator payouts on Twitch. How much of this have you seen? Uh, I did talk to David. Um, it was after we did one of our Walking Dead podcasts on Wednesday. And uh, we talked about it briefly for like five, ten minutes. Um, which, if you if, if entertainment talk stuff is on there, there'd barely be anything to look at. Because... Uh, like I'm relatively new to to doing anything like that, but uh, I know that for people that earn like money and that kind of stuff, you could like basically go and look at what they'd earned or all that kind of stuff. So that that's about the most that I I knew from it. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it's weird that it's people focusing on the salaries because most of the streamers, especially like the really really big streamers will put their sub counts on the screen. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that hard to figure out who's making what. Um, the interesting thing is that one of the users on the list was underscore, underscore, unknown, underscore, underscore. But then when you search Twitch by their user ID name, it turns out it was Dr. Disrespect. Oh. And, he, the, and the numbers that were released was 22 months and he's been banned off the platform for 16 months, and he still made the top 20 list of earners. Huh. So that is interesting in and of itself because it does show how much money he was making for the platform. Because if you do a $5 sub, the streamer only gets 250 of it. Now, the article uh -huh. that I'm reading does say that the leak from what they've been able to read through does not appear to include password and or address information on Twitch users, but that doesn't mean that information hasn't been compromised. And you got to figure if they've got source code, they've got your account info. Yeah. Um, and again, this is all, according to the poster, this is only part one. Hmm. Yeah. So how much more, who knows how much more there's going to be. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have any issues with it. I've some like one of the very, very, very small uh, streamers out there. I'm not. I don't even really call myself a streamer. I sort of just stream when I when I feel like it and when I've got a game that I want to show, or for 
certain particular things like the last of us playthrough that i did uh last of us 2 playthrough that i did um but i didn't i haven't noticed because i do follow quite a few different twitch streamers on uh twitter like bex and and a lot of other people um and i haven't seen any of them say that like their account has been like had problems or or something like that but yeah it's it's funny with like because when somebody gives like a bit donation or an actual money donation or sometimes they have their sub count yeah you can add that stuff up if you're curious enough uh so it's not like it was completely secret plus like somebody would literally say hey thanks for 200 bits and they'd have like a message or whatever it would be or like a five dollar donation or whatever the case so it's not like it was all completely secret. Obviously, this doesn't mean the the leak and everything was okay, because there could have still been other information that uh, that got out. So, but I've not got really anything more to, to add to that. So, yeah, the the one interesting thing that Twitch is desperately downplaying is the what they're calling the "do not ban" list, and it's a list of streamers who have their name associated with a uh, somebody working at Twitch where if anything comes up to where they could be banned instead of banning them it gets referred to the people on this list and this is something that I've talked about several times in that just from my own observations obviously I can't say 100% confirmed but it is fairly obvious to people that have been following the platform for a while that there are streamers that can get away with way more stuff than the average person does Mm mhm and there are some streamers that seem to be on somebody's shit list to where they sneeze too hard, they get banned. Case in point is the streamer Destiny, who was just discussing this on his stream and then shockingly got his account banned oh. temporarily. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny old world, the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people get different treatment to others. So uh, that's the point in the world that we're at i suppose so uh you said that was last excuse me you said that was last thing that you had yep cool uh let's move in some emails and feedback and whatnot we got two pieces this week if you would like to write into the show and let us know what you think of anything we've discussed or anything that you would like to discuss yourself on the show you're more than welcome to uh you can either write in to matthew at entertainmenttalk.org you can uh, send us a tweet or a message. I think the DMs, as they call them, are open on Twitch. Not Twitch, sorry. Twitter. Uh, you could probably send us a message on Twitch or something as well. But on Twitter, the uh, messages are open. You can send us a message that way. Or you can go to the contact page where all the information is there. And there's also information <clears throat> in your show notes. Speaking of your show notes, if you simply click on the email name on your show notes uh, through a web browser, if you're listening through that uh, you can just click on the email name it will take you over to an email app so that you don't have to type it in and that's an easier quicker way to send an email so just a bit of a tip on that uh, Harrison says I'm sure you will talk about the GTA news we we did uh, and instead of asking you what games do you think uh, need remasters which games do you think don't need remasters <coughs> excuse me uh, games that don't need remasters. Well, The Last of Us 1, which is getting a remake. That doesn't need to happen. Because uh, even the PS4 version of the game, which I believe is playable on PS5, still holds up very, very well. Uh, Gameplay-wise, it might not be as good as the second game. But the second game, to me, holds a particularly high bar. But that's one that doesn't need to happen. But Sony says it does need to happen. So it is. 
Um, anything kind of released in the last like five, maybe ten years. Uh, ten years is maybe a little bit of a stretch. There might be certain games you could pluck out that don't need remasters. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still funny thinking back to because now I'm thinking back to games that have have and haven't been remastered. When people were calling for like Cyberpunk to get remastered for PS5 before the game had even come out. Uh, that was particularly strange. Uh, especially because the game hadn't even come out. Uh, that was, that was weird. If, if, if those people were talking about, like, could it get a 60 FPS 4K update? That's not a remaster, that's just a patch update. Or, like, a next-gen version. That's not, like, taking Crash Bandicoot from 20 years ago and remastering the three original games for the insane trilogy that's that's a totally different thing so maybe there's just a bit of a wording missed there kind of thing um what games don't need remasters uh people have been talking about bloodborne remasters that could use a that could use some of that i suppose the uncharted games got remastered um those probably did uh, I'd say maybe mo- most games that came out on like the PS4 generation, even if you're to go back to like the first Infamous game, Killzone, um, the Ori games. I'm just trying to think of like earlier, previous generation games like launch titles for the PS4 and things like that. Because if you look at, I mean, like a- any PS3 360 game, yeah, you could remaster those definitely. Uh, like a GTA 4 or COD Modern Warfare 2, uh, which I know has had the campaign remastered, but the multiplayer would be cool to, to do that for. But yeah, any any game from the start, so basically 2013 onwards, I would say, give or take, I don't think really needs remasters. And again, if you're talking about those games being played at a higher resolution and frame rate, to me that's not a remaster. So if you do want to take something like Infamous, what's it called, Second Son, the, the PS4 launch mm-hmm. game, if you want to take that and Sony wants to say like, hey, we're going to re-release this game on PS5, cheaper price or whatever, for those of you that didn't have it, uh, like do the free upgrade cross-gen thing, but it's, hey, we're not remastering it, we're just giving it you know, the, the patch thing, the, the 4K uh, 60 FPS or 1080p, for whatever you want to do frame rates and that that sort of thing that that is fine to do for those games i think obviously if you're talking about newer games so like uh ghost of tsushima <clears throat> last of us 2 things like animal crossing you, you don't need to do anything to those games something like uh cyberpunk yeah obviously that game needs a fair bit of work still but it's surprisingly good considering the state that it's in Cyberpunks is what the one game I can look at as kind of an anomaly as to this game should <coughs> excuse me this game should be a lot better mm-hmm. and more features I would still maintain just weren't added to the game because the development cycle was cut short I think but the game that actually got released at least now if you get a bit lucky with the glitches and bugs is a pretty good game is a game that I really had a good time with but you could still look at certain issues of that game and if you were to call something like Cyberpunk a bad game, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. 
it's that's like the one exception I can look at that's really in a weird particular state where it's not as good as it should have been and or it's not as good as it could have been sorry and there's things that need to be added to that game but it's still in a pretty good playable state and I don't I can't think of really any other games I could really say that for necessarily I mean things like Battlefield that I mentioned earlier it's not actually been released yet so they could delay it and improve it and release it um but yeah any games to you that's like don't need remastering obviously not in the, not games from like last year that i mentioned but what sort of time frame would you put on that i think the only two games and i've been thinking about this a lot when you started the question the only two real games that jump out at me would be fallout 3 and fallout new vegas um because one they despite the fact they're quite old games fallout 3 actually goes back to 2008 graphically they hold up really really well um I, you know, I wouldn't mind if they did a remake of those games and then incorporated the, the modern mechanics um, from 4 into those games. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would probably play that. But in terms of need, no, I don't think either one of those you really need to, to remaster. Hmm. Yeah. That made me think of something just then. Bethesda could have done something with that. And what I mean by that is after the on-multiple-level debacle of Fallout 76, not just from the game side of things, but like the moldy helmets and the bags that were crap and the customer service thing, what they could have done is, okay, we can't fix Fallout 76 tomorrow or the next week or the next month. That took a long time process to, from what I understand, put the game into a better state. Um, what they could have done before, well, while they were doing fixing Fallout 76, is <clears throat> immediately gone over to Fallout 3, 4, <coughs> excuse me, I'm coughing quite a lot, gone to Fallout 3, 4, and New Vegas, and remastered those games, or, or for a shorter term solution, said hey on your ps4 because ps5 wasn't out at the time was it on your ps4 xbox whatever you've got here's a 60 fps whatever version of fallout 3 4 and fallout new vegas so those those three games just to kind of it's a bit of a papering over the cracks because then obviously you're not completely announcing hey we fixed fallout 76 but just in a shorter term sense thing um just so that, like, okay, if you don't like Fallout 76 and you're a Fallout fan, you really hate it, you can kind of revisit the glory days and play those games on your on your system that you're playing Fallout 76 on. That's something they possibly could have done. They could they could still do that now. Um, obviously, an actual remaster would take a lot longer, but I'm talking about doing, like, a patch update thing for those games. Uh, do you think they could have maybe done something like that? Um, I think it it would have been an interesting olive branch if they'd have brought people in from the modder community and then did a tag team with them and people that worked at Bethesda to do a remaster with some of the mods because that's one of the games, one of the few games to where the mods really enhance the experience. And a lot of those mods, I mean, hell, there's some mods that are full-on story pieces. 
Mm. Obviously, you want to hire them and pay them for their work. You can just like come in for free. Let's take all your shit and sell it. Um, but that would have been, I think, a really interesting olive branch to, to find the people that have made like full story mods, invite them in, work with their code to get it to like official official status, and then release a remaster of Fallout Three in New Vegas with those adi- additional story mods. Hmm. Yeah. I suppose like if I imagine this in a tweet update, they could have said, Hey, we are addressing the issues with with Fallout seventy six. While we work on this, we're happy to announce uh a trilogy remaster. I'll just use the term remaster. Whether you'd have done patch or remaster is a, a bit of a different thing. But let's say let's go with the term remaster. They could have said, Hey, while we're working on fixing Fallout seventy six uh, which we're aware make make the public aware that you're aware of the issues and you're you're working on them, but they won't be fixed like today or tomorrow. Um, this was obviously before the other things that happened, like with the bag and the helmet and the customer service thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like initial launch of the game, and said like, "Hey, while we do that, we're happy to announce we're remastering Fallout Three, Four, in New Vegas. Um, you'll be able to revisit so and so of whatever, or whatever the story was, or that kind of thing." Uh, look forward to it soon. <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, obviously because what what month did Fallout seventy six come out? Was that a November launch or something? Uh, it was third quarter. I want to yeah. say August, September, something like that. Mm. I'm just wondering hypothetically if they could have announced that for that year or the the year after. But anyway, it's, it's something they could have done. But that's that's way way in the past now. So, um, but yeah, games which don't need remasters. I think we've kind of covered that question. So, uh, Abed says, uh, Hey, it's me from the Walking Dead and Breaking Bad podcasts. You're welcome. Uh, being somebody from India, what countries or locations do you think video games are lacking in? Uh, there are quite a few games that are set in America, aren't there? Or like America, Canada, those, those sorts of places. There's games that are just set in the woods or set in... Uh, where is The Last of Us set? I should know that. Texas, I think. Uh, I can't think right now. My brain's not working. Um, Santa Barbara, that was one of the locations. Is that a particular... Santa Barbara is California. I want to say Last of Us was in Texas. Yeah, I think the first and the second one, I think, are in different locations. I'm just trying to think of locations from the second game. Uh, Yeah, Santa Barbara was uh, quite a big one. So, uh, mm-hmm. video games that are lacking locations that are lacking in video games. Uh, I'd love to see more games in London. I did enjoy going to. Granted, a bit of a. Uh, I think it was supposed to be post Brexit dystopian future where the world had gone even more wrong. Uh, London in Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, the game could have been a lot better, but uh, that was a that was a cool one to to, re- to to go to London and like go through Piccadilly and stuff. Uh, there's a couple of maps on Call of Duty. Uh, you can actually fight in Piccadilly Square. Um, so Piccadilly Circus. Um, and uh, do, do that kind of stuff. Uh, there is a place on Call of Duty Modern Warfare called Hackney Yard. Hackney's a place in London. But I think it's just supposed to be a random docking yard in Hackney. Um, although I don't know if I've ever been to Hackney. So I don't know if that's an actual real location. Uh, there's things like Cheshire Park, which is a map. I've not been there either, but I think that's a real location in the game. 
Um, obviously, there's a, these are more isolated locations. They're a map, obviously, like a, a portion of a map that you can't leave. Uh, but Watch Dogs Legion was good for that. I'd love to see a modern GTA set in a London kind of area. Uh, I mean, apart aside from like yeah, FIFA, where you can visit, where you can play in Old Trafford and all these other different British stadiums. That's not anything the same thing because it's isolated to one ground, and you never visit the outside of it. Uh, but then you can visit Spain and Germany and Italy and Portugal, and you know because you can play in different stadiums anyway. So, um, but yeah, I obviously it's just because I'm not just because I'm from London and I want to see more of it in games, but we don't have that much of it. Uh, London games, um, Italy is quite a good location. Um, those sorts of places, Spain maybe. Uh, Paris is 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 another good one. Uh, what about you? What what locations would you like to see in games? I think Brazil would be an interesting choice, yeah. especially given yeah. how unbelievably restricted their video game market is. Um, mm. They they don't get anything even remotely new, hardly ever. <clears throat> Plus, it has a very very diverse ecosystem in terms of modern cities versus rural areas and mountains and forests and whatnot. So I think. Depending on the genre of the game, you could have a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, India, actually, yeah, I would like something just, you know, fairly representative out of there, just so it would be, you know, something that would be cool. It's like, oh, I learned something. Not, oh, that was terrible. Um, maybe Russia, just because also that's a country with a really long history, and I'm sure something cool could be made in an area around there. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you want your character to die, you go to China, because <laughs> it's like a terrible country. Um, if you're playing a game where you're controlling a dog, you definitely don't want it to be set in China because uh, they get they don't get treated like pets. Let's just say that. Um, I although the the US does take up what eighty percent of games, I'd say I know that's a high percentage. Uh, I do like a lot the... of game studios over here. So yeah, yeah, I do like going to the White House in certain games. Like I remember, as a Splinter Cell game, you can go to the White House. Uh, there's a few. There's a few where you can you can visit the White House, like the actual Oval Office and that kind of thing. I can't remember which Splinter Cell game it was where you did that, and I can't remember what exactly happened. Um, I think Death Stranding had a scene in the White House. I can't remember. So, um, but that's obviously quite a interesting like location and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, ma- mainly the the UK, just because I'd like to see my own country uh, in in more games, and uh, not not even just London, but like Manchester and like lots of different places as well. Um, that might be might be quite good. But oh, and then obviously you have like games that are set in completely different places, like Hades, which is what's supposed to be set in Hell, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's another cool thing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, there's there's different locations that you could use. So, but we shall see. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's what we got for you for this episode of Gaming Talk. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Let us know which locations you would like to see in different video games as well. There's pl- there's plenty of places in the world. There's there's definitely plenty of those. I suppose if you want to visit a lot of them, Flight Simulator is uh, a good overhead 
uh, way to do that. So uh, I suppose that's an option as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find all the rest of the content that we've got on entertainmenttalk.org. If you want our TV, video games, films and Manchester United podcasts, uh, just to note, Manchester United return uh, to play football. Uh, on this Saturday against Leicester, that's at 3 o'clock. Uh, that'll be an interesting game. We've got a few players not available. And then the Champions League comes back next week on Wednesday. That's against Atlanta, or At- Atalanta, I think they're called, um, in the Champions League as well. And then there's, uh, I think there's another international break in a month, which is just ridiculous. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's why there haven't been any United cast episodes, because they haven't played. So... Uh, look out for those in the future as well. Uh, Walking Dead episodes. Fear the Walking Dead's back next week. Uh, Walking Dead mid-season finale tomorrow. Another Walking Dead World Beyond episode tomorrow. And uh, some other things coming soon as well. So look out for all of those. EntertainmentTalk.org. You can also find our podcast if you search for Entertainment Talk on your favourite podcast platform. Uh, check out what we got over there. If you want to support the podcast in other ways, you can tell other people that you know about the content that we've got. Let them know what we do and where they can find it. Website, podcast platforms, just tell them to go to those places. Social media, you can share the episodes around on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you, whatever platforms you like to use. You can share them around on there. So that's great to do as well. Uh, Patreon. If you want to participate in that, you can check out the $1 and $3 level tiers. Add free podcast and review options for all of those. Uh, for your TV and your film news, ads, uh, as Robert mentioned this week, uh, you can go listen to Geek Town Radio. That comes out on Tuesdays. It is Tuesday right now, and the new episode is out to be listened to. I did notice it came out a few hours ago, so check out that. That's run by David. That's geektown.co.uk and Geek Town Radio. You can get that in weekly podcast format by listening to Geek Town Radio on Tuesdays. Bex is streaming very regularly over on Twitch. Trista Bites, Trista. B-Y-T-E-S go and give her a follow over there and you can also find me now and again on Twitch eTalkUK for all my different streams and if you miss any of them you can find them archived later on YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays thanks for listening and I'll see you next time goodbye goodbye